to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I want you to open your Bibles. I'm going to preach. I really wanted to get to the, 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 the lectern today, the platform. I want to preach from Psalm 42. Verses 1 and 2, I just want to talk to you out of my heart today. I'm anticipating the Holy Spirit to do an incredible, unbelievable thing in this service before it's over. I'm anticipating it. I hope you are too. I mean that with all my heart. I know what he did in the first service. Pastor Billy, we need him to do it in the second Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And then they ask a question, when shall I come and appear before God? Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you for worshiping and praising like you did. Thank you for reverencing the word. I want to tell a couple stories and just talk to you from my heart today. I'm a deer hunter. I like to hunt. If you don't like hunting, I'm sorry, but I don't like knitting or stamp collecting or whatever it is that you do, okay? So we're even, but it's what I do, and I'm preaching, and you're not, and so you just have to listen to my stories. But I love to hunt, and it's going to get into my my preaching every once in a while, and, and I hope you don't feel bad about that. I, you know, I'm kidding you. If you like stamp collecting, I used to collect stamps. But uh, I, I'm, I don't knit. Uh, but, but I like to hunt. And my hunting experiences growing up were in Pennsylvania where Dad pastored, and we would go back to Pennsylvania and hunt until I moved to South Carolina in 1980 when I was 14, and I started hunting down here. And it's, it was an entirely different situation because up north where I hunted was very traditional and, and they weren't wearing camouflage a lot yet and you wore more, tra- matter of fact, my dad and I had matching uh, traditional wool rich, red, black, wool rich, you know, like the wool rich shirts everybody wears. We had suits, wool suits that we would wear. I mean, I looked like Elmer Fudd. <laughs> I'm just telling you, if you want to be honest, I had the Elmer Fudd look. And we moved to South Carolina, and that's all the hunting gear I had. And so when I would go hunting, I, Elmer Fudd would be down here in the south. And I learned really quickly, you get, you get to buy camouflage to fit in. And, um, and so we got a hunting opportunity in, in the Midlands around Columbia because of somebody that Dad knew to go hunt, to deer hunt. But it was a very different kind of deer hunting than anything we were used to because the geography is very different. The topography is very different in Pennsylvania in those mountains where you're hunting ridges and mountains versus the flatlands of the Midlands and the, and the heavy brush, etc. So the hunting that they did was with dogs. And you would station at points and they would release these dogs and the dogs would get on the scent of a deer and they would run through the woods and they would, they would find a deer and jump it and then they would try to run the deer to you to give you a shot. And I never killed a deer that way and it's not really one of my favorite ways of hunting but it was an experience. And one of the things that I learned is that the deer would just be chased by these dogs for miles and miles. And they would just run relentlessly. 
And if one of those deer would run by you, its tongue would be hanging out of its mouth and it would be panting because it's been run so hard. And, it, and that made me think of this scripture that as the deer pants for the water, so my soul thirsts for you. And I can imagine that same kind of, I can get that image in my mind because I've seen the deer doing that. And just move past the whole hunting thing now and imagine what that deer did when he finally eluded the dogs and was now exhausted and thirsty and that doe goes into a nearby stream or pond to slake its thirst, to quench its thirst. That's kind of the imagery that I get in my mind when I read this psalm. I want to tell you another story, and it has a little bit of a yucky element to it, and I always want to respect this office and when I'm on the platform, so I really try not to get too dramatic to the point of, of silliness. But um, I got the puke bug Tuesday of this week, which is going around. You know what the puke bug is, right? Do you know what it means to puke? It means to throw up. Okay, and I got the puke bug Tuesday, and, uh, and I went home that Tuesday, and, and all the, there were the certain symptoms like cramping. I did not vomit, but I had the other symptom that accompanies this virus. And so that symptom was well at work in my body. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going through this. I don't like to vomit. How many of you hate to vomit? I hate to vomit. I hate nausea. And fortunately, it was not happening. Uh, uh, and by the way, I knew how I got this. My, my son told me, Jaron, it hit Jaron, Mary Beth. She's up here singing. They got hit with it. The boys got it. Um, we had to come watch Brooks, the babies, because they couldn't hardly function. And Leah went to pick up the baby. Well, she got Barrett, the middle child, who had stopped throwing up but was still contagious. Well, she brought him home. And as soon as he walked in the door, my first, first thought was, oh, God, we're in trouble. Sure enough, Barrett loves his papaw so much that he gave me the puke bug as a gift. So Tuesday it hits me and I'm sick, and um, but I'm okay. And Jaron texts me. He said, "Dad, how you doing?" And I told him. He said, "You need to take Phenigrin." He said because I had the same situation where the other symptom was going. He said, "Then the vomiting will hit you." Well, I don't want to vomit. So Leah had Phenigrin. So I popped a Phenigrin and took it. I I did not do drugs. I, I, so my system's pretty pure. And when that stuff hits me, it hits me hard. It hit me, and Finnegan will make, y'all would have all laughed. Like, if my whole church had been in the house, y'all would have been had your phones out videoing. Look at Pastor. He's doped up. He talks like a drunk man. Say something, Pastor. Because I, it was, it just, man, it knocked me. And I fell asleep on the couch. Bodie's all laid on me. Leah comes home from work. Honey, she wakes me up. Honey, how are you? I can't, I can't feel anything, and I'm just can't. And that's how I was talking. I was talking with a slur, and I, the room is like, I mean, I think it's what evidently what being drunk's like because I'm staggering down the hall. Quit laughing, Don. I'm staggering down the hall, and I go straight into the, she says, go to bed, honey. I get in the bed, and I, and I don't know how long I slept. This was like 6 o'clock. Well, then she comes in, wakes me up to check on me. When she woke me up, I had the most unbelievable thirst. I was parched in my throat. I, I was just, it was just unbelievable. And, uh, and obviously, I was dehydrated because of the other symptom. And so, I, I, it, but it hit me then. And my sweet, wonderful wife had bought a big old giant orange Gatorade, and she got crushed ice in a glass and poured it in there. She said, honey, can you drink this? You've got to get some fluids back in you. 
and I drank that Gatorade, and I was at a point at that point, you know, the vinegar to help, I was able to keep stuff down, and I drank that, oh, it was the most wonderful, I mean, because I don't know what your favorite Gatorade is, but orange is the best, and so that's what I think. And so I drank the orange, and it was like unbelievable, slaked my thirst. It was just, I was sipping it, but I just kept drinking it and drinking it. And, and I thought, I don't, I, if I, I hope I don't throw this back up, but if I do, I don't care. I've got to get something to drink. It was one of the most, and it was, it was awesome. It was terrible with the thirst, but it was awesome the, how, the way it quenched my thirst, putting the fluids back in. Now, I tell you that little story from my life this past week, and the other story to say to you the themes of those two stories is physical thirst. But the text that I read to you, and I think the sons of Korah wrote this, this psalm, is, a, is, is kind of a similar but different theme. And the theme is that you can experience a deep spiritual thirst and desire for God. You can possess a great desire for the manifested presence of God. You, you can live with this longing to feel his touch. To, to, to get those goosebumps or to just the sensation, it's it's spiritual, but yet it almost, it's almost physical. Maybe it'll manifest physically that you just know he's, he's with me, he's in me, and I'm just I'm having a God moment right now. You can be a recipient of the moving of the Holy Spirit. David wrote a psalm, because everybody thinks David wrote all the psalms. He did, and he didn't write 42, but he wrote 63, Psalm 63. And in verses 1 and 2, David said something very similar to Psalm 42. And here's what he said, Oh God, you are my God, and early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And so I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. And David, scholars think, was running from Absalom when Absalom usurped the throne and David was a fugitive for a while. And he's running in the wilderness. And a wilderness, I've never been to Israel. My parents are here. They've been there. But obviously you've seen the pictures. It's a dry, barren land with rocks and whatever. I went to Arizona a couple years ago and saw the desert out there in Arizona. And, and so David is in this arid, dry condition. And the land itself gets so dry that it looks like it's thirsty for rain. And the rain replenishes the earth. And David is running for his life in these dry, arid conditions. And it's hot. And it's the Middle East. And he's getting thirsty. And David just wraps it all up together and says, just like this land is thirsty for rain. And just like my body is thirsting for water right now. And there aren't a lot of water sources. That's why in the Bible they're always digging wells. David said... I wish I had a drink of water right now, but David said, you take those two things together. He said, I've got a greater desire than the land for the, the rain and my body for water. My desire is for a touch from God. I just want God to touch me. I want to be back in his presence. I want to feel his touch. I want to experience his power. I want to see his glory. And David 
talks about the sanctuary. And I just want to talk about that because for people in the Old Testament, an experience with God, most of the time for them occurred in the tabernacle, the sanctuary. That would be their house of God. And we don't have a tabernacle, okay? We have a church. But I just want to say that in the New Testament era, just like in the Old Testament, you can experience the presence of God in church. And I'm going to go so far as to say you should experience the presence of God in the church. The Bible says, thy way, O Lord, is in the sanctuary. And God does move when we come together. We are the people of God, and he is the head, and we are the body. And we come together, and when we're gathered in Jesus' name, he's promised to be with us. And I just want to say this, and in a Pentecostal church like this, you ought to experience. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. You ought to experience the presence of God. Any group of people that are going to say theologically and practically, we believe in the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Spirit and the speaking in tongues and the fruit of the Spirit and the move of the Holy Spirit and, and the power of the Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you ought to be able to come to a church like this and when you leave say, man, I felt God this morning. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've been in Pentecostal churches where there was no move of God. I wanted to go outside and make sure I was in the right church. So it's not about the denomination, and it's not about what's on the church. It is about the people of God. And when you have a people of God who are hungry for God and who bring the Lord with them, the Holy Spirit with them to church, and they come to the house of God, you ought to experience the presence of God. And I want to say this about our church, and I thank God for this. I grew up in a Pentecostal church, okay? I'm a preacher's kid. I went to a lot of times, like, you'd go to church on Sunday morning, it was okay. Now, you go back on Sunday night, you'd have a shouting time. But there were times you'd go to church and it wasn't good. There's, you'd go to church, it was okay, but I mean, there, just, there wasn't any move of God. It was just kind of, and, and I'll tell you what's fascinating, and it's been a hunger for me, is that I'm telling you, nine times out of ten, maybe ten out of ten, you come to high praises. You ever notice at some point you're going to feel the presence of God. And we don't do that. I can't manufacture that. Billy can't manufacture that. We, all we know is we come in here ready to bring in and usher in the presence and the power of God through our worship and our praise. And it is our heart's desire that God come down in this place because we didn't come here to go through the motions. We didn't come here to have some kind of social club meeting. We came here to meet God. People need an encounter with God. Sinners need to meet Jesus as a savior. Backsliders need to meet Jesus as a restorer. The church needs a touch from Jesus as the one who refreshes us and replenishes us and equips us and edifies us. And I give God all the glory for that. And, I, and, and you know, so well, what happens if it ever stops? We're going to start fasting and praying and get a hold of God till it starts again. That's why I cannot understand for the life of me why anybody would not want to come to church. When you have a place where you know when you show up, there'll be the presence of God. I appreciate those. My wife's sick. She, she got a bad head cold. Leah, hey, baby. She's at home right now watching us if she's not in bed asleep. But uh, I appreciate the online ministry. And those of you who are watching, I thank God for it. We have people watching coast to coast right now, and it's blessing them, and it's ministering to them. And I thank God the anointing can go through that TV screen. I've had people tell me, I feel the anointing, Pastor, while you're preaching, coming through that screen. Hallelujah. But let me tell you something. As good as it is coming through that screen, it's just not the same thing as when you get in the house of God. Because again, his way, oh Lord, is in the sanctuary. And there's just something about coming in here and being with the people of God and feeling the anointing and being in an anointed atmosphere and the presence of God. It will do more for you. It's just hard to explain it. But you know, you say, well, if you don't show up, I probably is more of a commentary on you than it is the church and if that hurt your feelings I'm sorry but as my father-in-law always preached if your shoe fits put it on 
here's what I want to say to you. Thank God for the move of God on Sunday morning in the church. But whatever you do, don't relegate an encounter with the Lord to Sunday morning only. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. His dwelling place. Some people think the only time you interact with the Lord is on Sunday. That's the day to be spiritual. That's the day to work God into your calendar. Yeah, I can give him a couple hours on Sunday morning. Go to church and do the God thing. If you have that mentality, please put it in the trash right now. You carry him with you at all times. Your spirit, the Bible says, he who is one with the Lord is one with him in spirit. There has been a uniting of your spirit with the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? I got to go to church to meet God. No, you carry God with you everywhere you go. Peter said something that floors me as a theologian. He said, we have become partakers of the divine nature. That messes with my head. How I can be allowed and permitted to become a partaker of the divine nature with my human nature. I don't understand that. I can't grasp that. But there is within us, we are created in the image of God. Sin shatters the image of God. Redemption restores the image of God. And somehow we partake in the nature of God. Doesn't mean we're divine or divine beings. That's heresy. No, it's not that. It's just that there is a part. Listen to me. Maybe I can put it in very simple terms, couching in terms. Life isn't about being human all the time. There is a God part of us that God has put inside of us. Somebody said there's a, there's a round hole, a God-shaped vacuum that only God can fill. And that's part of it. But it's just that life is not about just doing what you want to do and living in this human shell. But life is about God and walking with him and fellowshiping with him and being like him. The great thing about the day when glorification, we have been justified, we're being sanctified, one day we shall be glorified. And the great thing about glorification and the consummation of our salvation is that more than ever before we will shine with the brightness and the glory of Jesus Christ. I just hope people see Jesus in me right now, but when that day comes and I'm glorified, honey, you'll see him in me whether you want to or not. That is the hope of Christ in you, the hope of glory. But I don't have to wait till I get to heaven to experience him and his glory now. I, I get, I'm going to say something that may be controversial. I say things that may make you mad, but I usually don't say controversial things. Today I'll say something maybe a, a smidget controversial. And if you want to disagree with me, you're, feel free to. David said something in Psalm 63. He said, early I will seek you. And if I'm stretching it, it's okay, but bear with me. I think every morning you should, there's the controversy, you should awaken with a longing for God. Now, some of you may be like my wife who, I wake up chipper. I pretty much wake up like this, okay? My wife hates that about me. She says, you are entirely too loud in the morning. 
you are entirely too energetic. Okay, she has to, how many of you have to have that cup of coffee or two or three? Like we just need to run an IV right in, right? Okay, and I'm, so you may say, Pastor, I do not feel spiritual in the morning. I'm not talking about feeling spiritual, okay? Here's what I'm saying is after you've had that cup of coffee and you have awakened, there should be something inside of you that says, I want to be with God. I got to go to work. I got to have to get the kids dressed to school. I got to get dressed. All the things that I have to do, but doesn't matter. I, I long for God. Even if I can't satisfy the longing right now, and Lord, it won't be till tonight when the kids are in bed. I have a longing inside of me to be with you. That's what I mean when I say every morning you should awaken with a, a longing for God. And that's why I like to get up early first thing in the morning and I pop my contacts in and do a few of the things, throw my clothes on, and I walk those two miles in my neighborhood, and I pray. It's what I love to do. I love to be in the presence of God, just spend time with him and cry out to him and tell him about my day and share and, 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 and be with him. And, and when I'm done, I don't feel like I've just accomplished something. I may pray and talk to him other parts of the day, but it's just my time with him to just cry out to him. Leah doesn't like to get up early in the morning. She has to get her cup of coffee and do some other things. But what she will do is she'll get her cup of coffee and eventually she goes into the, and she gets up early and she'll go into the, into the den in there and she'll, I bought her a Jesus calling book for Christmas and she gets her Jesus calling book and she reads the Bible and she does her devotional and she'll pray and Bodhi gets up there with her and she talks about how at my house the dog does Jesus calling devotional. So if you want to tell people you know a dog that does Jesus calling, it's at my house. And, they get, and that's her thing, but they, she jokes, but they get in there and she just spends her time with the Lord. Why does, why does Leah do that? Because she's the pastor's wife. No, she's a child of God that has a longing inside of her. She wakes up wanting to be with God. And you can have that. You can have that. I, I long to spend time with Jesus, tell him about my day, ask him for his help. I just like to feel his presence. I'm, I'm Pentecostal. I like goosebumps. Man, I like that when I get that tingle touch of the Holy Ghost. If you've never had that, I, you can have it. You can't live off of that. I'm not, but I'm, I just love it when it happens. I live by faith, not by feelings. But I'll tell you what, there's some feelings I like. Come on, somebody. I, I'm no robot. We're Pentecostal, <laughs> and, and I am unapologetically Pentecostal. I speak in tongues. I've been baptized with the Holy Ghost according to Acts chapter 2, verse 4. I've had the same experience Peter, James, and John did, and I've, I have the fruit of the Spirit. I'll thank God because I would hate to think what I would be without it, and I flow in the gifts of the Spirit at times, and I love it when God prays through me, and I pray in tongues at times. It's a devotional tongue. There are four different uses for tongues, and sometimes you just pray in the Holy Ghost, and, and the Holy Spirit speaks through with words that cannot be uttered in regular words. It just comes through with groanings and these, uh, this heavenly language. And, and, and I just I love when that happens. And I'm going to be honest with you, when it doesn't happen, I, there are times I cry out to God and say, God, I don't know what's going on, but I want, I want you to pray through me. I want to have that depth of that spiritual moment with you. I get worried if it doesn't happen. I'm telling you this morning, you can have that. You can have that desire, that longing for, for more of him and his presence and just a thirst, just like David is just thirsty for God. 
The psalmist asked the question in Psalm 42, when shall I come and appear before God? And that's a good question for you. When do you come and spend time with God? When do you long for him? Listen to me. I'm preaching to you because I love you. I don't ever preach to beat you down. I always preach to build you up. So look, the reality is in a congregation this size, as many people, hundreds of people in here, the reality is it's very, very possible that I'm talking to some people who right now are kind of got slapped in the face and you're going, wait, wait what did you say? When, when do you long for him is what I asked you. When do you long for him? And right now you may be saying, I don't. I just had the epiphany. I don't. Well, then that epiphany, something has to be done with it. Because you should, and you can. That's the good news of today's message is that you can long for him. When do you come and spend time with God? I, Pastor, I don't. I get up, I get dressed, I go to work. I'm, I'm sort of one of those people, I'm just bent and I'm intentional and I got to get focused and I'm project-oriented and I'm goal-oriented and I'm, you know, it's clicking off the things to do and by the time I get done I'm tired at night and I want to sit down and watch TV or do this or go play in the softball league or whatever it is that I do or the kids have got soccer practice or baseball practice or dance recital and by the time I get pastor I don't but you should when do you long for him you have to create margins in your life in order to spend time with God and feel his presence. I'm going to say that again. You have to create margins in your life to satisfy the thirst for God. Sunday morning is not enough. It's not. You create margins for everyone and everything else that matters to you. You have to create margins for God. Here's the reality. You have 24 hours in a day, and that's it, every day of your life. People have said, I need to learn better time management. No, you don't. You only get 24 hours. You need to learn self-management. It's not time management. You don't manage time. You get the same amount of time. You manage yourself. You, you make choices to do things, and you make choices not to do things. And let me just teach you something. A guy wrote a book on this, and let me just teach you this. You are a cheater. Every Christian in here, every born-again believer, you're a cheater, and you're still going to go to heaven. That's right. Everybody in here, I'm a cheater. I cheat. I'll be honest with you. I confess with a microphone that I cheat. You know how I cheat? I cheat some people out of time with me so I can give it to other people. Sometimes I have to say no to certain people and certain things. I cheat them. I just say, nope, you can't have it today. Maybe tomorrow. I'll work in Thursday. But I, I, some, there are too many people, too many, too many demands on you. You just have to cheat. Listen to me. Don't ever cheat your spouse. Don't ever cheat your kids. And most of all, whatever you do, don't cheat God. But how many times do we cheat God? We give time to everybody else and give of ourselves, and we don't discipline ourselves to say, nope, daddy, I need this. Honey, I need this. Hey, employer, I need this. We got all these people pulling the demand from us, but there's some point where you have to stop and say to everybody, sorry, 
you don't get me for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to spend time with God. 30 minutes, I'm going to spend time with God. You have to create margins in your life. You pick and choose who gets access to your 24 hours. Where does God fit in? And let me just go back to church. Are you longing for him when you come to church? Like, I'm going to ask a question. Please don't raise your hand. Please don't raise your hand. But let me just ask a question. Did you come to church this morning and just go through the motions? Did you have a heart that said, I'm hungry for God. I want to feel God. Or did you stand there with your hands in your pocket and you never sang and you never raised your hands and you never got him? Man, we were having a powerful moment there a while ago and just singing and flowing and there was anointed atmosphere. And did it just not affect you one little bit? Be honest with yourself. That should bother you because it's gone. You can't get that moment back. A lot of us were feeling the presence of God. A lot of us were encountering the Lord and just having a divine moment with God. And maybe you just standing there doing nothing, okay? You can't get that moment back. you got to wait a whole week. I preached this in the first service, and I told them, I said, you got to wait a whole week. And I said, no, wait a minute. You can hang around for the second service and try it again if you want. But you can't. We need to come into this house with an expectation. You don't come in here saying, well, let's see what they're going to sing today. Maybe I'll like it. Maybe I won't. Why do I have to jump around up there? I'm too tired. They make me tired jumping around up there. What's Pastor Chris giving them people up there? Is he going to preach short or long today? I'm hungry. If that's your hour and a half, you wasted an hour and a half. You want to get out of that car and walk across that parking lot and get those kids where they need to go if you have kids and you get in here and it starts and you ought to say, finally. Touch me, oh God. I love you. I praise you. I want to feel your presence. God, I have had a week from hell. My family's struggling. My, my extended family's going through things. God, I've battled things this week. Lord, I've prayed all this week. But God, in the sanctuary, this is the place where you move. I'm with my family. This is my church family. I'm surrounded by people who love me. God, I need you. So that's not happening, okay? When you get up on Sunday morning, before you get here, say, Lord, I know how I've been the last month, three months, six months, year. But this morning, God, would you put a hunger and thirst in me that when I get to church, I'm not going to be satisfied until I have an encounter with you and I get in the car to go home at the end. Too little time with the Lord will make you spiritually dehydrated. You know that other symptom when I had the puke bug? It's outflow, outflow, outflow. The fluids of your body are being put out at an exorbitant amount and a rate. And what happens is it dehydrates your body. That's why when Leah 
first of all, that's why she bought me Gatorade with electrolytes. And second, she bought me a big bottle and she got it in. She said, honey, you got to get some fluids back inside of you. You need, she told me, she said, you need to drink a lot. When I got better, the next morning, she said, you know, you need to drink a lot today. You're dehydrated. Listen to me. The longer, camera, follow me. I'm down here. The longer you go without being in his presence and having moments with the Lord, you dry up. And you become dehydrated. And you can't keep giving and giving and giving and cheating God and giving and giving and giving to everybody and just flowing and giving and giving and giving and then think that you're going to be so strong spiritually. That's why preachers fall because they do ministry, ministry, ministry and they forget to spend time with the Lord. There's a, there's a place in Florida that used to, I don't know, they may still at who, that, that restores fallen ministers, ministers fallen morally. And, and a guy asked him, he said, is there a common denominator with all these fallen ministers? And the, the guy who restored them, the, the, he said, oh, yeah. He said, what is it? He said, they stopped reading their Bibles and praying. They stopped having God moments. It's just functioning, functioning out. Of, see, we function every day we're doing it. If you just keep doing that, you're going to dry up. And you know, if you're dehydrated, it can hurt you. You can start having physical problems. And we wonder, why am I struggling spiritually? Why am I having these spiritual problems? Why am I just having a hard time and hard time in my marriage and hard time with my kids and hard time at work and hard time in my character? And I'm having a hard time getting the victory over this. Maybe because we're not having enough God moments. Because when you get, you can hear me preach for another hour, and I'm just about done. But you could hear me preach for another hour. It doesn't have the same effect as two minutes in God's presence. When he touches you, it'll change your life. I'm closing with this. A number of years ago, something happened to me. I was at a church. It was at Praise Cathedral. I mean, I've only been at two churches in my whole ministry. So it was at Praise Cathedral, the church that we started this church out of in Greer. I was associate pastor there. I had a crisis. It wasn't a moral failure or anything like that. I just had a crisis. You don't need to know anymore. It was a major deal. And out of that crisis that God resolved and good things happened, praise the Lord, and that's what God does. He'll, he'll, he'll turn things around. He turned things around. But I was in a crisis. The Lord did something to me that I will never forget. Out of the crisis, the Lord drew me to himself. I got this insatiable, it felt insatiable, hunger and desire for God every day. My prayer life went to a whole, I always prayed, read my Bible, spiritual, but it just went to a whole nother level. I was so hungry for God. I'd get up, I'd had this, this the Parsons had to do, like it was a two-sided thing, and the, Bill on a hill, so I'd go downstairs. They had a little study in there. I'd go down there and I'd spend it, and I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you, I'd spend an hour with God. I'd pray, and I'm a walker. That's why I walk in the neighborhood. And when I walk in a room, I pace. I don't like to kneel, uh, I like to pace. I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna walk. And like a lion in a cage, I would get in there and I would walk and I would pray and I would cry to the Lord. And I would just, my prayer life went to a whole nother, my hunger, for, and it's not, listen to me, it's because I was hungry for God. 
I don't get, I don't just, I don't know how to convey it to you so it doesn't sound like I'm bragging. I'm just telling my story. I was just hungry for God. I can't explain. I wanted to, and I would, I'd feel his presence. I had some visions that took place. I would get influenced by God. It was in those moments that God started to speak to me about the church, planning this church and give me visions of this church. So I knew exactly what to do when I came over here. I'd never been a church planner. Said I'd never be a church planner, but God started working on me. Came out of the crisis. I'm just praying and getting in the word and seeking the Lord and crying out to God and just changed me. My wife knew I was different. I was sitting in the office with Pastor Johnson, who is my pastor, a man that I love dearly. And, and we had had staff meeting. Everybody left, and, and I stayed in there with him. He wanted me to stay. And he looked at me. He said, son, you worked for me for eight years. He said, what has happened to you? I said, what do you mean? They changed my attitude. Kind of just kind of, it would, you could have come across cocky. It wasn't. I didn't care about anything anymore. I'd care and get worried, upset. I didn't care about nothing anymore. All I cared about, and I told him that. He said, what's happened to you? He said, you're not the same man. I said, I'm not. And you didn't talk like that to him. You know, he was a type A leader, autocratic style. You, you didn't talk to him that way. That day, because of what God, I talked to him. I said, I'm not the same guy. I said, you want to know what's happened to me? And I talked to him like this, which is funny now, because I never would have done this before this. I said, you want to know what's happened to me? I said, I don't give a flying flip what you think. I don't give a flying flip what your church council thinks, what your wife thinks. I don't care what my wife thinks. I don't care what anybody thinks in this church. I said, all I care about is what God thinks. Now, I know that sounds real bombastic right now. I said it to him just like that. I mean, that's what God was doing to me. I had this just, I was just consumed. Instead of being insulted by that, you have to know Pastor Johnson. He said, my God, son, that's the way it ought to be. My Lord, he came up out of the chair. My Lord, you got me on fire. My God, if everybody would just get like that. Lord, have mercy. You got me tore up, son. And he was shouting all in the office. I just sat there and looked at him. That's a true story. I sat there and looked at him. But isn't it true that everybody could be like that? I don't mean you have to be extreme, but I'm just telling you, God did a work in me. I'm telling you today, you don't have to do it like I did. You don't have to have God do it with, like he did with me. What I'm trying to convey to you today by the help of the Holy Spirit is that you can live with an ongoing hunger. I wake up every day and I'm hungry. <laughs> Yesterday's smoking pig ain't going to work for today. Been on this diet, lost, I've lost about 33 pounds, but I've got my cheat days, and smoking pig is on the cheating list. And last night I had barbecue ribs, yes, glazed, sugar, fried okra, sweet potato fries with honey. I left off the powdered sugar and had a diet Dr. Pepper that makes everything all right. You're laughing, but that meal was yesterday. And isn't it funny? I'll process that, and I'll get hungry again. That's natural. But I'm telling you, you can get hungry every day, fresh for God. Preach something that was in my notes. Claudia waits was the Christian Education Director at the River Hills Church of God in Tampa, Florida. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, Billy? I went to work there when I was in college in the summer, did some intern work there. 
And they put me under Claudia's supervision. She was a godly woman. And we would have conversations and we would talk. And she didn't know, but she was pouring into this, that 19-year-old, 20-year-old young man. Never met anybody like her. She said things I'd never heard before, but it stuck with me. I can tell, I can tell it today, all these years later. She was telling me about a relationship with the Lord. And I was asking her, and she said, let me tell you where I'm at with God. She said, I hunger and thirst for God like I do for food and drink. And she said, I found that I've reached the point in my walk with the Lord. She said that if I don't read my Bible and pray, she said, you know how when you don't eat, you get physically weak? She said, I could feel myself getting weak spiritually. I've never heard anybody say anything like that before. But she said, then I'll just get in his presence and feel his touch and get into his word. And she said, I feel the strength of God. And I listened to all that and I thought, that sounds like that's the way it ought to be. I don't want a Christianity that's just some kind of rules, religion, form. Got saved. Woo! Going to heaven. Yay! See you when I get there, Lord. No, I want to feel him every day. How about you? Won't you stand with me? I guess what I want to say to you today is he can make you thirsty. Do you want to be thirsty for God? Do you want to be thirsty for God? So here's what I want to do. And I know we got a big crowd. Evidently, you know, people are saying, okay, COVID. I know a lot of you are getting your vaccine, so you're, you're safe. Thank God the numbers are coming down. Things are good. And thank God we haven't had a COVID outbreak in this church. We give God all the praise. You've done so good spreading out. So carefully, we're going to do it just a little while longer. You can do it. You've done it. I'm going to invite everybody, visitors, everybody. And if you leave, you're going to miss out on the most important part of my message. I want everybody in this place to just come to the altar. If that means standing down aisles, stand together as couples, families, but spread out, put a little distance between. But come on, I want to ask the whole church to come join me. I want to finish this incredibly important service where man meets with God and God meets with you. They're going to sing. I'm going to pray and then they're going to sing. That's it. Even if you have to spread out along the walls, just however you need to do it to spread out. I appreciate you doing that. You can just keep yourself away from people a little bit. Spread. That's good. You're doing great. I'll be glad when these days are over. finish the service by giving you an opportunity to cry out to your Savior and say dear Jesus I love you so much make me hungry for you make me and I want you to pray with every ounce of passion and fire and ask God to do something in you that could be revolutionary so Father I thank you for helping me to preach today what you've given me I can go home with a clear conscience I know what you did with their brothers and sisters in the first service. And I pray so much, God, that right now, Holy Spirit, you would start moving on every person in this room. And right now, Holy Spirit, 
put a hunger and a thirst in us for more of you. Right now, we begin praying. Right now, all over this house, start praying. If you're born again, start praying. Say, oh God, put a hunger in me. Put a hunger in me. If you need to repent, then repent. Ask God to forgive you and say, God, I'm so sorry. Change me, Lord, and put a hunger in me. Come on, all over this place. This is a significant service and a significant time. Come on, cry out to God. You may weep tears. You may fall on your face, but just say, God, please put a hunger in me for more of you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.